This episode of the Villa on Tour podcast is sponsored by Luke1977. Luke have just brought out the new Spring 2024 range and there's some absolute beauties over there. So if you do fancy getting yourself any new gear from over at Luke, please do use my code MAX20, which gets you a lovely 20% off. Like I said, there's some really nice items in that new Spring range. So go and have a look. And if you do fancy getting yourself anything, don't forget to use my code MAX20. Hello and welcome back to the Villa on Tour podcast. I'm your host, Max Stokes, as ever, joined by Simon Lyon. Simon, how are you, mate? All good? Yeah, very good, thank you. Not too bad. What a day then at the weekend. Great day out at Fulham. Most results went our way and Villa back in the top four. Great weekend all round. Yeah, perfect. We couldn't have asked for much better, really, could we? It was uh, all round. Good performance, really, really good result. Um, And then, yeah, the, the, the Tottenham result. Sort of, uh, sort of, yeah. Really put the put the cherry on top of the cake, really, didn't it? And so, yeah, it was a, a perfect, perfect afternoon from Villa, and uh, yeah, such a such a good day out. Lovely. Coming up in the show, then we'll talk about our away day in West London and why Fulham away for me is one of the best out there. We'll also talk about that Villa performance and what that meant as we climbed back into the top four. We'll talk about Paul Torres, Ollie Watkins, Emmy Martinez. So many good performances at Fulham. We'll also look at Spurs, Man United in the race for the Champions League in that weird little mini league just outside of the top three. And we'll also have a brief look at the Conference League first legs um, because they happened this week, actually. Shall we start there? Shall we look at the results? If you want to find out a little bit more about mine and Simon's thoughts on the Conference League and where we should be prioritising and how we think that's going to impact Villa towards the end of the season, go and listen to last week's show, the sort of first half of that. We just talked about the Conference League and what we we viewed it as. And looking at the first legs, there's a few interesting results in there. I think Legia Warsaw, to all Villa fans' delight, were 3-0 down, weren't they, I think, at half-time? Unfortunately, they scraped back two goals, so they're right back in the game. Ajax was a surprise result. I think they were 2-0 down as well and, and got back in there late on. Maccabi Haifa as well winning, which wouldn't be great for Villa because if we got them, obviously, we wouldn't be able to go. But a few interesting results. And of course, this week, Villa will uh, find out who we get in the next round on Fridays. The draw is uh, in Switzerland on Friday, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, Ajax. Ajax probably been the biggest surprise. I think everyone expected them to sort of romp home at home against Bodo Glimt. But um, they've had a bit of a tough... Second leg now, really, haven't they? To go to go away, to from, away home. from home to Bodo Glimt. I think Ajax have got a bit of a tough job on the hands, to be fair. Um, yeah, then apart from that, Raul, Raul Betis lost as well, didn't they? Which was a little bit of a surprise at home. I think everyone yeah. um, was. I think everyone thought Raul Betis would 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 probably win that one too. So, yeah, some interesting ones. Um, all eyes to Friday, really, to see who we get. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Not we don't get Maccabi Haifa because that would be a disaster for us, wouldn't it? If we if we couldn't go to it, so hopefully we avoid them. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, the only team that's sort of looking pretty comfortable is Sturmgras. They're Austrian, I believe, and you love going to Austria, don't you? You go in in the March international break on another holiday to Austria, so that'll be a nice one. Expensive that sort of region, though, isn't it? Austria, Switzerland. Um, so that'll be interesting but again uh, I've looked where that location is and it looks really really nice if we do get them that'd be nice I think it's just avoiding Maccabi Haifa's because then we can't go there yeah Sturmgratz would be good it's not it's not that far from Vienna uh, it's about an hour and a half from Vienna on a train so that wouldn't be a bad one to be fair quite a nice place as well so um, yeah I, I, I'm up for most of them to be fair it's uh, yeah. I think as you say it's these really far ones to Norway which we want to probably avoid we want to avoid yeah. want to avoid Legia again and then yeah try and avoid um, 
um, try and avoid Maccabi Haifa, really, because we won't be able to go. But, yeah, still a second leg to play there, though. So, Gens might get the better of them in the second leg, hopefully. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, there's some wicked places there, so keep an eye out on Friday afternoon. Right, should we talk about our away day at Fulham? It was it was top class. I always enjoy going to Fulham, and we got the train for this one. It was absolutely packed. We decided to get on at Snow Hill instead of Moor Street, so it was the stop before, but the train was absolutely packed. I think Arsenal women were playing at half 12. Wolves were playing at Tottenham as well. Plenty of Wolves fans on the train. It was it was a busy one. I hate, I hate being so quintessentially British and talking about the trains. But we talked about how much better in Europe the trains are, and it's so frustrating. Like Obviously, we've travelled in, in Europe quite a bit now following Villa, and the trains are just so much better. I hate to bring up something like that, but it's just so frustrating in this country. And when you're trying to follow your team away from home, you don't want to get the coach because it's an away day in London. The trains are a mess. Yeah, it always makes me laugh because whenever I go on a on like a long distance on the train outside of the West Midlands sort of thing. It's always absolutely packed to the rafters. And there's always some, there's always like a different excuse every time. It's like, oh, we haven't been able to put enough carriages on because of train drivers strikes or something about there's not enough, someone's ranging sick or someone's someone's trespassed <laughs> on the line or there's always some it was the platforms were too short this time wasn't it the platforms were too short so it's only four carriages how does that make any well, sense well yeah on the way the overcrowding was blamed on all the events in london uh, and then on the way back all the overcrowding was yeah blamed on blamed on the platforms are too short whatever that means um so <laughs> so yeah i mean the way back we ended up sitting on the floor didn't we like literally hanging out that was horrible out thank god we won thank god we won yeah yeah and thank god we were on the well we weren't on the super speedy one we weren't on the Avanti train but at least we were on the Chilton ones that's a little bit quicker than the uh what is it London Northwestern Railway whatever it is I don't know it's always good crack isn't it going to the pub and then getting the tube straight after it's always a good laugh and it's nice and easy and to Fulham you go to Putney Bridge and then you get out the station and you're right next to the River Thames and it's a nice green walk you go through a sort of park don't you the houses are obviously absolutely massive I said in the video the average house price in that part of London is about 1.2 million as is the rest of London to be fair but it's such a nice area in West London it's not your classic sort of walk to an away day is it? it's it's lovely yeah slightly different than walking down Whitton Road isn't it slightly <laughs> slightly don't knock slightly it. slightly different with all the sofas out in the streets and the uh, the cars parked <laughs> illegally on the pavement so you can hardly walk by yeah, it's slightly slightly different walking alongside the Thames or in the park isn't it uh different vibes very very different vibes but uh yeah one of my favorite ones actually and uh even though I'd never seen Villa win there before Saturday, I mean it's still yeah. still one of my favourite away days of the season. I I always I always enjoy Fulham and yeah, like you said there about going to the going to the pub at the station before the game and just having a leisurely sort of um, tube tube journey over. Yeah, I I always quite enjoy the London away days. Mm, yeah it's nice as long as you don't get the coach we got the uh, the coach to Chelsea in the cup and that's just an absolute mess especially with that being on a Friday afternoon that was a disaster felt a bit weird getting into Craven Cottage didn't it because the last time we were there obviously was when Gerard was sacked and it just felt weird I think AVFC Stater did a great tweet obviously Emery was clapping the away fans after the game because obviously the managers have to walk across the pitch to get to the tunnel and he's attached a picture of Gerard and Emery and it's just two contrasting pictures and we were sort of sat in the same place in the away end weren't we and it's just having that memory of Gerard walking off the pitch with his head down, with his hands in his pockets and getting booed off and everyone in that way end shouting all sorts of things. And then the contrast to this year, when Emery's walking off, clapping, everyone singing his song, it's, it was just absolutely unbelievable. It just felt weird being in there with what, what happened previously. Yeah, it did feel a bit weird. It did. And like the final whistle, you're right, when everyone was bouncing around singing the Unai Emery song to him and he was fist pumping and clapping back. It yeah, that's felt. I don't know. It felt quite poignant. That did for me. You know, it felt like, oh my god, mm. this is mad. This is like where he 
Don't feel that long ago. <laughs> we were standing at Craven Cottage thinking, Jesus, we're in a relegation battle here under Gerard. What are we? Like, not about, what, 15, 15 months on from that moment? And uh, and there we are climbing ourselves back into the top four after after a win at Fulham. So, yeah, kind of mad how things, how, how, how things can change in such a short space of time, really. Did you catch uh, Emery's reaction? I think the Villa posted it today of him literally like punching the ground when Watkins scored that second. It was so good. And then when he was walking off the pitch as well, uh, Damien Vidigani was stood by the, the tunnel and he gave him the biggest high five going. Honestly, you could tell he absolutely loved that the weekend. And it felt like a massive win, didn't it? It just felt it felt massive, especially after what we've, we've say been through over the last couple of weeks. And we have all talked about the sort of semi-stumble that Villa have been on it just felt huge to get back to winning ways especially with this mini sort of favourable run that Villa have got now obviously Forest next week at home should be winning that be nice to get back to winning ways at home and then lose some way after that then you've got the Conference League coming back and then Spurs of course as well just felt big at the weekend it felt poignant it felt like a really big win and I think we got exactly what we deserved out of the weekend we thoroughly thoroughly deserved to win the game and I think that's probably why Emery was so pleased because his tactical sort of ideas were you know really played out in front of him during the game. And um, and I think also just for the fact that we're kind of showing signs of that consistency coming back as well. Though if you look at the last three Premier League games, away at Sheffield United, at home to Man United, albeit we lost, but it was a very good performance. Um, and then on Saturday, it's... Uh, it's been more. It's been. It's been more. More like the Villa we know this season, hasn't it? It's been. Uh, the performances have been a lot better, a lot more consistent than they were um, throughout sort of December and January time. Yeah, I think that one would have been a, a big kind of re- relief for him. And uh, yeah, I love it. I love it when he celebrates like that because you know it must. You know it must be big. Yeah. Because he. Because he's quite. Um, he's quite. What well, he's. You know, he's quite a relaxed sort of mild mannered manager, isn't he? Usually yeah. reserved. Yeah. Um, and I think when he does show a lot of emotion, you know, it's a really sort of a really sort of big moment. And yeah, I think it will give the players. I think it will give the players confidence as they head into the final final stretches of the season really and I think I said to you like this is where this is where like you can really come into your own if you show a little bit of consistency and I back Villa to do that I genuinely do I think the last three league games have given me a lot of hope really in terms of our performances mm-hmm. that we have stopped that rot and that we can now go on and have a, a really consistent sort of end to the season and you know, if you if you are consistent to the end of the season you know what you get and, and you know you are going to achieve your aims essentially we've got what, we've got 13 games to go. We need to get to, well, usually you need to get to about 70 points to get fourth. Yeah. Um. So what's that? Seven seven wins, is it? You know, that doesn't seem that that, that much, does it? That doesn't seem that bad. If, if, Villa, if Villa can, t- again, turn around the home form again and start start making that a bit of a fortress again towards the end of the season and showing that consistency, then it's there, isn't it? It's there within our grasp kind of thing. Even though we've got tough opposition with Spurs and Man United as well, bring down our necks. I still think we've got it in us. And so, yeah, Saturday pleased me because of the just the all-round performance and it just felt like that level of consistency was, was there and it was being shown by the team. So, yeah, I was absolutely delighted I was. Also shows how sort of fast it can change. I mean, last week you'd have guessed that the whole world was ending because we lost to Man United, but you've got to look at the performances like you touched on. It's the last three now, Sheffield United, Manchester United and, of course, Fulham at the weekend as well. It just feels like we're sort of finding our groove a little bit now and especially getting another hoodoo off our back. It's these little things, isn't it? Our first win at Fulham, with fans since 2010. Obviously, we won there in 2023-0, but everyone sort of forgets about that because it was in the COVID time. It's a little game for you, Si. We were talking about this in the pub. I don't think you were involved in this conversation. But can you name the uh, Villa starting eleven from that win uh, 2-0 against Fulham in 2010? Uh, go on, go on. So your goalkeeper would have been uh, Brad Friedel. Uh, the defence would have been 
I don't know where these players have been playing, but it would have been Richard Dunn and Collins, as just maybe as your centre arse. Yes. And then I think it was, I think your left back was Luke Young, and your yes. right back was Carlos Coyle. Yes. This is where I'm going to get done now. The midfield, uh, Milner, Milner. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Should be okay. Milner, yeah. Ashley Young, Stuart Downing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Petrov, mm-hmm. and then your strikers would have been Heskey and Gabby. Yeah, spot on. Gabby got a brace that day. When I was doing it, I missed out Heskey. Completely forgot. It's that weird sort of era when Villa were. Well, we've had our good sort of years and it was on the verge of collapsing. But yeah, I, f- I just completely forgot about Heskey. We won that game and it's an iconic Fulham team as well. There's some right names in there. Mark Schwarzer in goal, Chris Baird, Breeder Hangerland, uh, Chris Smalling in there, a young Chris Smalling, Danny Murphy as well, Damian Duff. Um, bizarre. Bobby Zamora up front as well. That's That was prime Fulham, wasn't it? Didn't they get to, was it the yeah. Europa League final that year? They lost to Juventus, is that right? I was right? going to say, it was around that time, wasn't it? No, they lost to, no, they lost to Atletico, didn't they? In the final, they uh, beat you. Oh, they, they beat, beat Juventus. Juventus. I don't know what round that was. Whether that was the quarter of the semis, but they beat Juventus and then yeah. they lost to Atletico in the final. I think. Wow, what a throwback that is! Absolutely unreal. That was like prime Fulham. That was, wasn't it? Prime. Yeah, Fulham. good. A really good side they were back then. Really, really, really good side. Anyway, we'll come back to uh, the modern day. Then we were coming out of Putney Bridge Station, weren't we? To the news that Paul Torres was starting. Um, Carlos's injury as well. Sort of like a makeshift back line in a way. I mean, it's been that way all season obviously cash long lane torres sort of played as a, a three at times didn't they during the game which i think helps long lay obviously they might have been a little bit concerned before the game obviously pal torres coming back is absolutely massive but then you've got two left-footed center half so i think the way that we went sort of in the game at times when it was three at the back allow moreno to do his thing and go forward and cash being a little bit more reserved and playing a three back so long lay was more central rather than on that right hand side i think that was a great way of doing it yeah, it's a bit of a throwback to how Emery was trying it out in pre-season, wasn't it? Um, with Torres there, and obviously the first half of this season, you saw that you saw that quite a lot. Obviously, not with Matty Cash doing it; it was always Conza. But yeah, I think I thought it suited us actually. I thought it I thought it suited us, and I thought yeah. I actually thought Longley looked more comfortable on that side than he than he has done on the left hand side, to be honest with you, which yeah. is a bit of a weird one. That whole back line though is transformed by the return of Perry Torres. Um, he's just. He's just so good, absolutely ridiculously good. I mean, he's he's brave in his defending. He he takes risks when he's defending, even. Um, but then it's it's everything else, though. It's his it's his composure on the ball. He's able to find like pockets where other players wouldn't. And you know, even even on our sort of second goal, you watch it, and it's it's him that makes the goal when you watch it. He's he's sort of forward thinking. Um, ideas just takes like two Fulham players out of the picture, which frees up John McGinn and Tielemans in the middle. Um, obviously, we know what happens after that. The ball goes through and Ollie Watkins scores. But he's so so important. He's it makes it look easy though. That's the thing. Like I've never. It's weird, isn't it? Mm. Like when you watch football, usually it's like it looks it looks really hard. But like when Perry Torres does it, it, it's like it's like it's like it's like it's like a knife through butter, isn't it? With Perry Torres when he passes yeah. that ball. And yeah, just such a welcome, welcome return. And I, I thought the bat line looked really balanced the other day. I really did for a, such a, a makeshift defence. And I know they were talking about this on Match of the Day. They praised Villa for how they how they defended, especially with it being a bat line that's probably never played together before. I thought Torres being there helped Moreno out as well. Um, and then, as I say, Longley looked really comfortable. And then Matty Cash had a really good game as well and sort of tucked in at times. Yeah. And it allowed Moreno really to bomb forward. And Cash was that kind of, he sort of held back. He, he went forward at times as well, but most of all, he sort of held back. And yeah, I think a lot, I just think a lot of it is down to the return of Paratara, isn't it? He's absolutely huge, um, you know, for Villa and, 
I think a few I think a few months ago when you were talking about like the the players who are absolutely key to the Villa team and you'd have gone through it like Martinez and uh, McGee and Louise Watkins. Well, Peritaris has to be in that category now, doesn't he? He's he's no, that yeah. that good. Yeah, he slotted in with with absolute ease. Obviously, he's been out for what two months now. It's the Brentford game that sort of time where he he got injured, and he he's been out for a while, but he slotted back in. And he looked like he'd never been away. The most touches for Villa in the game with ninety one. The most passes in the game for Villa with eighty. The most pressurized passes with fifty eight for Villa. Just absolutely unbelievable. And I, I really appreciated seeing in that way away end and being sort of behind Peritaris, especially in that first first half obviously we're behind that goal and you can really appreciate it that little bit more because you can sort of see the cogs turning for him and obviously you're looking up the pitch as as Pau Torres is and you don't even see half of these passes and he's running past plays he's he's not the quickest player in the world but again he's got that sort of burst of pace to get 10 yards and then find a better option Jacob Ramsey was dropping deep at times to come and collect the ball and Paul Torres is creating space for him to come into. And it was, it's so good. I think I talked about Jacob Ramsey coming deep then. I think that's what created the the Bailey chance where he hits, hits the crossbar. A lot of these things ultimately come back to Paul Torres. You mentioned it with the second goal as well, Paul Torres. It's it's so, so good. And we're so lucky to have him. And when he came in, I, along with a lot of other people, were sort of thinking, we've got him here for 30, 35 million. Why have none of Europe's big boys coming for him. There must be something we're not seeing. Obviously, Emery loves him, but is he really all that good? He really is. He he would be a welcome addition to any side in Europe. He is that good and he's that unique as well. I don't think a lot of... I've never seen a centre-back like him. He's so unique in what he does and he's just a privilege to watch every single week. He's so, so good. You know, Emery knew him and that's why he brought him in, essentially. But um, And maybe that's why other teams didn't go for him. Maybe it wasn't such a... Uh, like a household name and maybe he wouldn't have fitted into other teams other, other teams sort of tactics the way he does at Villa I mean the, the way Villa set up he, he's absolutely perfect for it you know the defenders are given a lot of responsibility in the Villa system and um, you know they're, they're, they're asked to, to, to play the ball and they're expected to be kind of I wouldn't say a playmaker but someone who's going to you know somebody who's going to contribute going forward as well I think I think as well though how it just transforms Villa's left hand side in recent weeks obviously we've seen Moreno come back into it, and Jacob Ramsey's come back, and now Torres has come back, and I, and we know how vital our left hand side has been, you know, for a while under Emery. It's how Emery likes to set up. I mean, you look at last season, yeah. how vital it was when we had Mings, uh, Mings, Moreno, and Ramsey down that left hand side, um, and it's been similar this season. Okay, obviously we've had um, we've had Moreno and Ramsey out, but you know we've heavily relied on like Luca Dean at times, and so to get to get. You know, probably our strongest kind of, you know, our strongest side kind of team on that left hand side in in attacking wise in terms of Torres, Moreno, and Ramsey as well. I think that really helps, and obviously, I think it's helped to Ramsey as well come back into the team because yeah. he's seen all of a sudden he in the last couple of games has seemed a lot more like his usual self, running at teams and being that really big burst of energy that we need, and um, it's promising really. Like they're coming into their own at just the right time of the season if you ask me i think it's really i think it's really promising because we know how we know how good moreno and ramsey like linked up down that left hand side last season and i think the return of torres will will just enhance that even more yeah, absolutely. It's massive. And we looked fluid, didn't we? We moved the ball really well. Even from early on, you could tell, right, Villa are up for this. The passing was crisp. It was one, two touch. We were playing some really, really good stuff. And it was quickly through the lines, wasn't it? I think Ramsey helped with that. And I think 
it's it's it was just it was just so quick and direct. Bang, bang, bang. You saw it with the second goal through the lines. Torres, Louise, McGinn, Tielemans. It was just it was fantastic to watch, wasn't it? At times, you could tell from from minute one we were up for it the weekend. Yeah, it was, and I think um, and I think to say that we were out, we, we, we were without Bubakar Kamara as well. And obviously, he's out for the rest of the season. I think that was um, I think that was a big plus point that you didn't really notice it on Saturday. I thought John McGinn stepped back into that defensive midfield role. And I've got to be honest, I didn't want him mm. to do that. I wanted to keep him in a bit more of an attacking role, but he dropped back and he just put in an absolute captain's performance, didn't he? I mean, that second yeah. half, he was just everywhere, wasn't he? He's thrown himself into tackles and uh, being a proper proper captain's performance, wasn't it? And then further forward, though, Tielemans as well. Like people, I think people underestimate how important he is though as well. And yeah, he tires later on, he does, but... I mean, he's he's you know his movement, his passing, and those like either needle balls that he sees are really really important. I think, and you know he got an assist, yeah. and he should have had a goal as well in the first half as well. And again, yeah. another really good performance by Tielemans, and he sort of picked up where he's left off. You know, he he got injured, and he was out frustratingly for that you know five six week period, but he's come back in, and he's just sort of firing on all cylinders as well. And it's really good to see, because I was a bit worried about that. I, I said he got injured at, at such a bad time, just as he was coming into form after yeah. a difficult start to the season. Um, and yet he's come back in, and he's proved himself to be a really key player. And uh, I think it just shows you Villa's sort of strength and depth, though, doesn't it? You know, we can have these injuries, and yet we can still turn in a performance like that and be really, really comfortable. You know, the likes of Longley, Tielemans, who've been out of the team for periods of the season, and even like a Moreno comes in. You know, we've got, we, we tend to have that, tend to have that, that strength in depth at the moment. And yeah, we can't afford too many more injuries because we're kind of de- getting decimated now. But um, it does show you, though, the strength in depth and, um, and and the team that and the squad that sort of Emery's built, doesn't it, really? Yeah, it's it's scary. Imagine when they're all fit. If they're ever all fit, it feels like when one gets back, someone else gets injured. But imagine they're all fit. It's a it's a scary prospect, and especially with Europe as well. It's, it's we've got a very a very good looking squad there, and it's great to see Ramsey as well. Just talking about him getting back to form. Last couple of games, he's looked pretty sharp, and he looks like he's getting a bit of consistency in his game now. And he got an assist in if Raleigh Watkins with that first goal. Uh, Watkins looking sharp and it was quite John McGuinness the way he sort of used his body and rolled his man and the finish is just slotted it's so perfect a man in form going one nil up happy days and it was that that first goal wasn't it It was massive to go one nil up yeah it was and um, I think Watkins had a tremendous afternoon I think he had a a tough job up against Diop at the back I really do he had a really tough physical afternoon but um he was brilliant and I think Diop really sort of struggled to live with him and in terms of the goal I mean it was dreadful play from Fulham I mean they were just overplaying weren't they and that throw yeah. that throwing back into like the danger area and obviously Ramsey <laughs> got onto it and it sort of bobbled through to Watkins but just a turn and the finish was just a just instinctive wasn't it really and this is Watkins for you isn't it when he's on form like this and he's just showing this sort of consistent this level of consistency where he just looks like he's gonna score all the time doesn't he and uh yeah, it was a great time to score. Really got us really on the front foot, and uh, and we deserved it because we'd started the game really, really well. So yeah, poor defending from Fulham. I think they'll look at it and think, God, how do we give a goal away from our own throw in? But um, but yeah, a top top goal for us and the Ollie Watkins on fire really. He didn't even look for that goal, did he? he? Just got his head down and just rolled it into the far corner. It was brilliant. And you talk about Diop being physical. My God, man. Talk about physical in that yeah. second half. That penalty shout is absolutely wild. On my video, literally everybody's claiming for it. Everyone's looking at each other in like sheer disbelief. 
the thing is, Watkins gets the first touch, doesn't he? The ball is in his control. Diop comes out of nowhere, sticks a leg out and absolutely bodies him. And the, the look on Diop's face after it, you could tell that he knows he's got away from one, uh, got away with one there. That was that was a mental decision. Well, that, that's what's key for me is that you got the touch of the ball, Watkins. I mean, yeah. you see them all the time when the player sort of looks for it. He knows someone's behind him and he and he goes looking for it and he sort of has a tumble and you think, oh, we haven't even attempted that, have you? But Watkins attempted to get to the ball. He actually touched the ball. It was in his path and yeah, yeah. he just gets bundled over and it's a penalty all day long. And, yeah. But you knew, that, you knew though, as soon as, it, as soon as the ref didn't give it, VAR weren't going to overturn it though. And that was the problem. But again, it's one of them, though, if that's given... VAR doesn't intervene again, and everyone says, "Oh, yes, definitely a foul." Um, which is mad. It's just mad. It was a yeah bizarre decision that was, especially where the referee was positioned. He was just so yeah. direct all game. Watkins wasn't he? And when he's like that, he's really difficult to live with. I think um, it was one of the one of the best Watkins performances I've seen for for a very long time. Yeah, he was lethal, and I think it was element of just Fulham just getting annoyed with us. They couldn't deal with uh, Watkins. They couldn't deal with McGinn in that midfield. I think Paulinho just lost his head, and he absolutely crunched McGinn at the end of the game, didn't he? Mm. Right in front of the technical area. I think Marco Silva, I don't know what was going on with him, but he was frustrated coming on the pitch as well. It just they, just they just couldn't live with us, and we were just just top class. And it all stems from Watkins again. Two goals for him. That's thirteen in the Premier League now. Eighteen for the season. He'll still get stick. Don't you worry about that. He'll still get stick. People saying he needs to be more consistent. If he, he misses chances, it's absolutely wild. Twenty five Premier League games, thirteen goals, ten assists, eighteen in all competitions. He's another level. Absolutely top class. I don't know what more he can do for some people if he's more consistent. I mean. How much more consistent can he be? If he's if he's any better than what he is, he's he's in the Harry Kane or Haaland sort of books of Ren- yeah. Ronaldo sort of vibes. It's like, are, are you joking? Like he wouldn't be playing for us if he was uh, if he was if he was like that. I mean, I don't know how anyone can criticise him. I mean, look at his stats. What is it now? Thirteen. First, uh, first, was it? Was it first? Thirteen assists, isn't it? Was it twelve assists? Uh, that was all. That was all wrong. Uh, <laughs> Twenty-five Premier League games, thirteen goals, ten assists, with eighteen goals in all competitions. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, that's just absolutely remarkable, isn't it? That's, that's you know, you mm. just can't. You just you you, you re- most teams would absolutely love to have that. So I think, <laughs> well, no, every team would love to have that. So yeah. I think anyone who's in the slightest bit criticising Ollie Watkins, you need to have your head checked out because there's absolutely no way Villa are, Villa are replacing Ollie Watkins, even if you spend 70, 80, 90 million, to be honest with you, it's not gonna it's not gonna happen. I don't really get any criticism of him whatsoever. He's for me for me, he's without doubt Villa's most important player, without doubt. Yeah, people talk about consistency. I think he's Mr. Reliable, and that goes down to his durability as well. He's just always there. He's always he's always your man, isn't he, at Villa? And he's always available, scoring goals. And he could have had another assist, couldn't he, with the, the Moreno offside goal, which I think is, is absolutely mental. I think feels like with Villa, we, we were saying it while we were waiting, weren't we, in the away end, like... Just give us a bit of luck. Like we deserve a bit of luck. How many times this season? Tottenham away, Everton away. That was with Moreno as well. It just feels like they they're looking for any opportunity to rule it out. And that one there with Moreno, is that's offside? Like really? Like I'm looking at the lines here and I, I can't even see it then. So to rule that out when it was a, like it, it was a goal. Why are you punishing teams for scoring goals? Looking for any opportunity? Bizarre one that was. Yeah, I couldn't even. I can't even see it now. Even if looking at it now, if I could be studying it for the next. 24 hours and I still wouldn't I still wouldn't understand how 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 it was ruled offside to be honest with you I don't I don't get it I don't get it. I, I I reckon you know teams are getting done out of so many goals by these really sort of hairline offsides and I, you know I've not got I've not got a massive issue with with the offsides on VAR because it's a bit like 
well, I can't really argue either way because I can't really see, to be honest with you. But um, I, I do think though teams are, are I bet you, I bet your teams are, are are not being given goals that they should be though. Like I look at that one from Saturday, Moreno. I look at the Moreno one against Everton as well uh, back in when was that? January was it? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure teams have been done out out of goals. I really, I really, I really am. And. Uh, yeah, you, guys, you, know, you can't moan about it here, isn't it? And that's that's what it is. But I think I think the VAR's got bigger problems than the offsides, if I'm being honest with you. But it does still seem mental that it's literally like like a fingernail or by like a like a big toe or something. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? Oh, they're making it up, mate. They're, they're absolutely making it up. And I've said it before, and I say it again. I don't understand why we don't have the, the Champions League automated offsides. I think it's weird. Um, but we'll move on from that. Watkins makes it two 0 and it's a typical Unai Emery goal, isn't it? We've already talked about the move. Um, then a little bit of detail. Torres, Louise, McGinn, Telemans, one unbelievable pass. And Watkins, it's a devastating finish because he absolutely blasts it. And it's not really in the corner as much as I thought it was at the time. But it just felt like a, a crafted goal, a typical Emery goal. Talked about it. That's why he was punching the ground because that was so him and that was so his villa. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was like it was like thirty four, thirty five passes all in all, wasn't it? And, yeah, it's uh, mad. And I think it's what I've been saying to you for weeks. I've been saying like during our little blip that we had, we haven't been playing how we usually play. And so I always say like we're very slow building the ball up, aren't we? Building the play up, we're very slow. But then we get into that final third and we literally just go for it. We're really quick and we we look to hurt teams really quickly at that point and sort of shock them a little bit. We haven't been doing that very very much. We haven't been doing it pre the Sheffield United game. Uh, but that goal there was the absolute perfect. It just sums up sums up exactly how an Unai Emery Aston Villa team works. It's that yeah, play it out from the back, very very sort of slow, patient build up play, sort of lull the opposition in a little bit, and then as soon as you hit yeah. that little bit of space, use your speed to absolutely hit teams. And that's what Villa have, have been doing so well this season. Um, so it was good to see us get back to that on Saturday. I thought yeah, that goal was. Uh, Absolute textbook, Unai Emery. Um, yeah, what a goal. I think there were signs of it in the um, Man United game last week as well. I don't think we were anywhere near as clinical, obviously not, because if we were, we would have won the game hands down. But it feels like we are getting back to that spell now and we are finding our groove. Um, how about the celebrations after that Watkins goal as well? That it was, it was unbelievable. It went on for so long. Moreno, there's pictures of him holding a Villa scarf. The Pyros are on the pitch. Um, Watkins was pointing to himself and then pointing to the ground, really proving a point. I think you said that McGinn was um, wasn't happy with the pyro. What was that about? <laughs> yeah, I just noticed that the pyro got chucked onto the pitch, and um, and I think Watkins moved it away, didn't he? And uh, yeah, and like John McGinn was just looking at the away fans, like pointing to his head, say like, "Think about it, think about it." And uh, like, what, what's there to think about, man? Really like, we're know. not going to get sent off. Who cares, man? Let's have our fun. I don't really know. It just made me laugh. So four these fans are going to care. <laughs> so most of them are on the floor celebrating Watkins' goals. So like, <laughs> I don't, I don't think most of these fans are going to be caring. What, what what McGinn thinks about throwing a pyro onto the pitch, but uh, like it was like McPhee who like launched it onto the pitch. It's like it doesn't doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it made me laugh that one, dude. Yeah, it did make me laugh. But uh, yeah, two 0 up at that point, and uh, yeah, Villa coasting really. It felt like it did feel like game over, didn't it? At that point, I think I said at half time, you get a second goal, uh, and you, it's game over. I think, and uh, yeah, we made life slightly more difficult for ourselves than what was necessary, but. I still had confidence for us to see out, which we obviously did in the end. Yeah, I think Martin has blamed himself, didn't he? Did you watch his yeah. interview after the game? He was saying he, he took blame for it, to be fair. And he said, look, Clement Longley would have had it if I didn't give him a shout. Exactly. So I think it's just a, a lack of communication. So it's one of them. To be fair, when we were, I absolutely didn't see a thing. All I heard was that all the Fulham fans go go crazy. And I wondered what was going on. But seeing it back, it's not a great goal to concede. But to be fair, I think you've got to give credit to the striker. And he's, I, I think it's actually a really, really good finish. He, he gambles and he sort of toes it in, doesn't he? It's actually 
really good finish and you've got to give credit to him as well as sort of blaming Martinez in that situation. I was really confused though I was because it was obviously so far away from us. I, I thought it was like a, like a, like an Olaf Malberg throw in straight in the net against the Blues sort of scenario. <laughs> I like I thought, I literally thought that Cash had it under control over on the right-hand side and he passed it and he just went in. That's genuinely what I thought had happened. <laughs> I was thinking, like, that? where's Martinez? What's happened? What's happened there? It's like, to be fair, there was a similar goal last season when we lost 3-0. Was it Tyron Mings' own goal? Where, we, again, it was at the other yeah. end. Sort of deflects off him and goes in. And you, From our end, you're wondering, what on earth's happened there? Yeah, I was, I was baffled. I was. I was absolutely baffled. But when you watch the replay, I see what Martinez is on about because the ball sort of comes over him. Longley's going to get it, and then he sort of pauses yeah. and turns his back a little bit because he fit. Because obviously Martinez is giving him a shout, saying, "I'm going yeah. to get there." So yeah, I don't blame Longley for that. It was just a miscommunication. Yeah, it was interesting actually. In the same interview with Emmy Martinez, he was saying, "Look, he's he's never sort of defended with such a high line, and he gets the under twenty one players in training to sort of practice one v ones, and it's works." Odama Traore right at the end again. If if he did got a point for Fulham and obviously taking all three off Villa, I'd have been absolutely seething. But it's classic Adama Traore, never in doubt. Yeah, just can't can't finish, can I? Couldn't finish his breakfast, that geezer. Um just just <laughs> loves a run, but just can't has got no he's got no end product as he whatsoever. And uh but yeah, I mean I'm I'm still give full credit to Amy Martinez though, because he's still got to be there and, you know, make them sort of saves and uh he's so good at that, isn't he? Like he's so good at them one one on ones. Like it's, it's so many times he seems him make saves off off those positions, and obviously the getting the under twenty ones to come up and, and and you know practice against him is paying off because yeah he's so good at his and I think that's the thing it's like you know I, I think a lot of teams can have good goalkeepers but if you have an exceptional goalkeeper he he, he wins you points on his own and I think mm. like, Emmy Martinez just epitomises that and um, I don't know if I don't know if I've ever seen a Villa goalkeeper who's like who I genuinely feel wins you points on their own I mean we've had some good goalies over the years as well since I've you know since I've been watching Villa obviously the likes of like David James was very good and Thomas Sorensen was good and uh, and after that like Brad Friedel he was excellent as well and obviously a Premier League sort of great but None of them are in the category of Emmy Martinez, though. They were all solid keepers playing in decent Villa sides at the time, but mm. none of them were like Emmy Martinez, though, who genuinely wins your points on his own. Yeah, it's absolutely mental. We're so, so lucky to have him. And it sort of feels like, as an away fan, when you're stood in that away end and you can't quite see what's happening, but you know the opposition have sort of gone through. And if Villa times have gone by, you would have just waited for the sort of home fans to just celebrate. But now you're just waiting for the save. And it's just sort of, we take it for granted, I think. I think we massively take it for granted now with Emi Martinez because it's like, oh, he saved another one-on-one. He's won us another game. Like, we do take it for granted he is that good. And we're so lucky, aren't we? So, so lucky. Well, yeah. And the thing is, he's he's the type of keeper that could literally be the difference between you getting Europa League and Champions League, though, essentially, yep. though. If you look at it, and don't get me wrong, you know, I don't think the lad from Spurs is a bad goalkeeper. I think he's been a, a good signing for Spurs. But he's got his frailties, though. And I think you've seen that in you know, you know recent weeks, in that game a few weeks ago, when uh, Everton got that uh, late equaliser against Spurs and they were targeting... Uh, Vicario that day and I, like I said yeah. I think Vicario is a good a, a very good goalkeeper but he's not an Emmy Martinez though and I think it's the same when you look at like Man U with like Anana I don't you know he's had a he's had a lot of stick this season and I think but I still think he's a a, a a very good goalkeeper but again he's no Emmy Martinez is he and, that, and that's the thing he's the, yeah. like I say he's the type of keeper that could potentially like you know win you points on his own and you look at some of the games we've got 
towards like the end of the season when we've got to go to you know Man City and got to go to Arsenal like the, the games that everyone's kind of worried about it's the type of games it's like Villa are resolute defending there and you know a, a last minute save or whatever could earn you like an extra point or something which could be like invaluable in that in that sort of race for like top four top five and so uh, I'm glad he's on our side put it that way yeah, he makes he makes clutch saves, doesn't he? And I mean, there's no better stage to do on the World Cup final. He did it in sort of three minutes over the 120 to obviously take it to penalties when France could have won it. It was just absolutely unbelievable. And it's just trust, isn't it? You just trust him as a fan in the ground. You just trust him, don't you? Especially when it comes to claiming crosses. The ball is just like a magnet to his gloves. And honestly, if if we trust him that much, what does he do for the defenders? He's just an absolute another level. And he was loving it after the game. He's always one of the last over, isn't he? after a game we wait for him we wait for him and he comes over and gives it a massive punch and I love that every single away game he's over with the away fans he loves it doesn't he Emmy Martinez he loves to be involved with us yeah and he loves being at Villa he loves being at Villa doesn't he and, it, and, it, and I can see why you know people have been talking in recent times about oh you know will he look for a bigger and better than Villa and stuff and I maintained I was like why why would he you know he's 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 at he's at a club which has got aspirations you know they're they're going to Europe you know last season they're fighting to be in, in an even better European competition for next season um you know Villa have turned him into playing number one for Argentina winning the World Cup winning the Copa America winning the winning the Yashin Trophy I mean what what why why would he you know what I mean why would he look for more I don't really I don't really, I don't really know why why he would, to be honest with you. And so, and I've said that all along. I've maintained that all along. I, I just never, never ever saw a reason why. And yeah, he absolutely, uh, yeah, he absolutely loves being at Villa. And like that's the thing. It's such a nice relationship that because he really appreciates us and, and the club, um, and we absolutely adore him as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, you can't foresee a day when he's not the goalkeeper of Aston Villa, can you? He's like he's just sort of oh, written God. himself into that sort of Villa sort of sort of folklore already hasn't he really and yeah yeah just incredible when you think back like when we signed him and like we signed him for like what was it like 15 million at the time yeah and like, i remember i remember at the time thinking why are we signing a keeper are we, are we, are, you know I, I, I'd, I'd i'd give like jed steer a go or tom heaton's coming back oh. tom heaton's coming back to fitness we don't need another keeper surely <laughs> there we, and i was thinking god we're paying a lot of money for like a, a bloke who's been second choice at arsenal but my god like what an ins- that has got to go down as one of the best aston villa signings of all time and i don't care what anyone says genuinely as one of the best aston villa signings of all time we've had some good ones over the years but he is just incredible yeah i remember where i was when um obviously it was being reported that emmy martinez was close to joining from arsenal i was like oh yes it's decent this is you know because he had a very good sort of six to nine months didn't he with arsenal obviously he became their their number one after leno got injured he won the fa cup there and obviously there's a famous picture isn't there of him sort of in an embassy wembley after winning the fa cup um during covid of him crying sort of on the phone to his family and it's just a nice Nice journey for him, and he's so perfect for Aston Villa. It's it's absolutely spot on. And after the game, I alluded to it a second ago. The scenes were brilliant. Unai Emery, he doesn't do this a lot, but obviously he had to walk across the pitch, so he was fist bumping, clapping. The Unai Emery song was going, and I thought the atmosphere in that away end was was absolutely superb all day. It was absolutely rocking. Really close to the pitch at Fulham, aren't you? You really feel like you're really involved in it, and uh, yeah, yeah, Emery. It was the most I'd seen Emery like pumped up for a while, actually. You know, like uh, 
Like he was, he looked proper, looked forward in there. Um, <laughs> looked proper smart again. I'm bringing like Emery, Emery watch back. <laughs> he looked proper. Yeah. I said to you during the first half, didn't I? And he was looking sharp as today, you know. Yeah, I was like, shut up, Simon, watch the game. Yeah, literally, I just noticed he was looking proper sharp. <laughs> People see, that's the thing though, you see, more since this really sort of sharp character on a Saturday afternoon. Because like, I noticed that his press conference <laughs> yeah. Friday, people were saying he looked rough, rough and looked tired and he hadn't had a shave and his hair was all a bit dishevelled. But there he was, 24 hours later, he popped out at Craven Cottage looking like Tom Cruise or something, like genuinely. like. So yeah, uh, what was I talking about? I've, I've lost the thread now. No uh, idea, mate. Yeah. No idea. <laughs> no, I was talking about every walking up and yeah, he was absolutely, absolutely loving it, really getting involved, fist bumping, clapping and then hugging Big Damien in the tunnel. You, you know Villa are doing well when the hug with Big Damien comes out, don't you? So... Yeah, what big Damien. What an afternoon. What an afternoon. <laughs> big Damien. Oh, he's a good character, only Big Damien. You talk about Big Damien a lot. Fair play. He's got a sweet job as well, by the way. We always yeah. say this. Like his his prime job is just being Emery's sort of PA. He's waiting by the tunnel, just giving all the players a hug. You're, you're jealous. I'm jealous. Everybody's jealous. Who wouldn't want that job? Honestly, I genuinely think that's the best job in the world. Genuinely, like, <laughs> Joe, I'll I'll learn to speak Spanish if if I can do that job. I don't mind. I'll be fluent. I'll get on Duolingo, whatever it's called, and I'll be I'll be I'll be fluent in no time. If you want to give me that job, yeah, what a job he's got, by the way. Yeah, but clearly doing a good job. Emery loves him, and you know what? I think also also I know this is a bit weird. We talking about Damien Vidigani on the podcast, but. <laughs> also, though, like you notice, though, after like Emery uh, gave him his big hug, he st- he stayed out there, and Munchie was out there as well. Yeah, um, and all the players were like proper, like uh, hugging Vidigani and Munchie, and yeah. you can see the respect between the players and like and like them as well, which is really key because how the village structure works in terms of you know Vidigani and Munchie are the sort of go to between the players and Emery. Apparently, that sort of relationship between the players and those two. Um, is really really key, and so yeah, to see them celebrating with with Vidigani and Munchie as well was uh, was yeah really really good to see. Yeah, despite all the off field shambles, it's nice to see that on the pitch. It's it's such a great team spirit there from sort of throughout the hierarchy, and it was made all the sweeter by um, you saying to me that Spurs have lost to Wolves, and we were all looking at each other like, what? They've lost at home to Wolves. That was a, a great result for us, wasn't it? An absolutely fantastic result. We obviously leapfrog Tottenham, go back into the top four. They're two points behind us. Um, nice bit of goal different swing as well. We we're on. 19 they're on 14 so we've got the upper hand in that as well that was a really nice thing as well but then on the Sunday you're hoping for Luton to do a job against Man United they're 2-0 down pretty quickly but then after that Man United are just sort of nothing aren't they Luton to be fair peppered them all game a bit like the previous week at Villa Park where Man United were lucky lucky again Casemiro should have been sent off why is it always there? Why always there? Yeah they're, they're, they're really riding their luck at the moment Man U without a doubt I mean I just don't. I, I said it last week, but every time I watch them, I just wonder what their pattern of play is, and I wonder what their tactics are because they never ever control a football match, do they? Like it's all they're always sort of back to the wall and looking just to counter on the opposition. That's all. That feels like that's all they do, and I mean, it's bizarre, isn't it? I mean, that's not that's not what you expect out of a Man United team, is it? And they were lucky in the end yesterday. I mean. I thought I thought Luton were really unlucky, especially at the end when Barkley hit the bar. I think that that, des- that yeah. deserved a goal in the end for Luton. And uh, and as you say, it's those little decisions, though, isn't it? Like Casemiro, how he was still on the field was was absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, Man United riding the look a little bit at the moment, and you know you can't you can't knock the form. They're in they're in very very good form. Um, what is it? Yeah. They've won the last five, is it or something? Now four. And, They've won the last four. The last four. Yeah. So they won the last four, and so they're in very good form, but. You do wonder though, like they're riding their luck, aren't they? And I think if a team who is clinical comes up against them, 
you know, that, that game against Villa last week and the game yesterday against Luton, if, if either team had been clinical, Man United get beat. You wonder how long that can carry on for. Uh, I yeah. always say Man United are only one game away from a crisis. Um, but it does make me laugh, though. That all the, all, obviously, all the all the London-based media are really starting to really starting to, to to drum up the support for Man United getting in the top four, aren't they? <laughs> they they absolutely can't wait for it to happen. And on the on Sky Sports yesterday, Neville was talking really talking it up, and Curtis Davis was talking absolute rubbish yeah. about Villa, saying, "Oh, you know what happens if Villa lose a really important player?" Though it's like, did you see him come out? Did you see him come out today? He replied saying, "Oh, oh I." I know that I know they've had injuries. I just meant one more. It's like you course, ain't got a clue, yeah, mate. None of these pundits have a clue about any of these top four sides. They ain't got a clue. Of course, and then like and then like Redknapp saying like, oh, you know, who can stop them? Who can stop them now? It's like, well, the two teams in front of them can stop them. Actually, it's like the two teams. Had they watched them? They were literally at Kenilworth Road. Luton battered them. It's bizarre. I know, but this is it though. It goes into overdrive though. All of a sudden, it's like, come on, we need to get Man United back in the back in the top four. The status quo needs to yeah. the status quo needs to be realigned again. And, Oh, it's pathetic. Honestly, it's pathetic. And if Man United get there, they get there. But um, I'm sorry, but they've—I don't care what anyone says—they've been lucky over the last few weeks. And so I just hope, I hope it comes sort of crumbling down for them at some point in the next couple of games because they definitely haven't deserved to win every single one of the last four. I mean, even against Wolves, they were lucky. Yeah. Even against Wolves, they—they they definitely shouldn't have won that game either. So yeah, they're definitely riding the luck, Man U. Um, and. Uh, it still irritates me that we that we lost both games against them because <sighs> they are they are I don't think they're a very good side at all. I think Villa I think Villa are streets ahead of them and um and I and I even, I think Spurs are as well. Like I I know I know what I've said about Spurs in the past and I stick to that. I think you know Pasta Cogba's done a really good job and I think um you know how they play football is very it's exciting to watch. It's exciting to watch for the Spurs fans. I think they're naive at times because they play like a basketball game, Spurs, and they give up so many opportunities. It's sort of high risk, reward, high, high reward, isn't it, though? It's like they, they tend to score and create a lot, but they also have let a load of chances at the other end. And this is why. Yeah, look look at that that second goal for Wolves. It's just on the counter. Tottenham were nowhere. All is say at the back. But, but Spurs are a better team than Man United are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't understand what the. Uh, I don't get the obsession with Man United. I genuinely don't. I just think, like I said last week, I think they're a, they're a team of, I think they're a team of good, some good individuals, and they heavily, heavily, heavily rely on moments. To be honest with you, I don't think there's any game. I don't think there's any major game plan which is like brilliant. And you can't exactly say Ten Hag is like a master tactician and his tactics have paid off. They they, they just remind, especially you know, away from home, they remind me of like when Martin O'Neill was in charge of Villa. We used to just soak up pressure and just hit teams on the counter because we had a bit of pace. That's that's what they remind me of. But they should be so much better than that with the money they spent and whatever. I'm praying, to be honest with you, Matt, that Man United stay out of the top five. Like if 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 fifth also gets Champions League, I just hope it's Villa and Spurs that gets it, and just Man United stay out of it. I don't want Man United anywhere near it. Yeah, that'll be nice. Man United's next game is Fulham next Saturday, and then they've got the FA Cup against uh, Nottingham Forest. And after that, they've got a trip to the Etihad. So hopefully, uh, Man City do a job there and, and keep Man United away because the, we we were saying, weren't we, after the Luton game to each other, it's not sustainable. Surely that's not sustainable. They came to Villa Park, were very lucky. They went to Luton, were very lucky. It can't be sustainable for them. And I think us and Tottenham, like you said, we're better sides. All you have to do is watch the game. I think the bias is there in the media. It is ridiculous. It is absolutely wild. We were saying it's a shock that Gary Neville's even allowed us to commentate on Man United. It is so blatantly obvious, the bias that's there. 
And hopefully for all of football, we can do them a favour and keep them out of it or us to top them. Well, yeah, like Neville was like going on like Hoyland's second goal. It was like like some kind of like really thought out tactic or something. And it was like, mate, it was like they shanked the shot and it just hit Hoyland on the chest. And he kind of like just... Done well there. Yeah, oh yeah, but come on though. It's hardly like it was like... It, how Neville was going on. Neville was going on like it was like <laughs> going to win like goal of the season or something. Or like it was like Pele or something. It was like... Come oh, on. Philogene Bedace or something. He's out there. It's like, <laughs> come on. He diverted the ball with his chest into the net. It's hard. It was just re- it's just a reaction. It wasn't like really like a thought out way. Like it was a terrible, terrible shot. And then it just like hit toiling <laughs> on the chest. Oh, incredible that is. Like it's weird. I mean, compare that to compare that to Villa's second goal. I mean, that was a really good goal. That really was. Yeah, and that's I mean... exactly, but that wouldn't get talked about. If that was Man U. Like never would be like foaming at the mouth though, making all of his making all of like his weird little noises like he does. Uh, I just I hate I hate when he's on comms for Man U. Like I don't you wouldn't have Gabby on comms for Villa, would you? Or you know like oh even gosh. when like like they do it with like Carragher for Liverpool and that annoys me. But it annoys me even more though with uh, with Neville. I think he's worse than Carragher to be honest with you. Um, mm. So yeah, it, that was driving me mad. I felt like switching over to like a dodgy American stream or something yesterday. So 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 Neville <laughs> wasn't on it to be honest. Yeah, stick to uh, Dragon's Den, Gary Neville, because you are unbearable on Sky Sports. Looking at Villa's upcoming fixtures then, Forest uh, at the weekend of Villa Park, it'll be so, so nice to sort of get back to winning ways at Villa Park. Is it, what, three on the bounce defeats in all competitions for Villa now at Villa Park? Sort of unheard of in the last year or so, isn't it? So a winnable game in sort of air quotation marks, a winnable game. Forest coming off a decent result against West Ham. Won't be easy, but again, you get an early goal there. Villa Park should be rocking, and I imagine it will be. Saturday, 3 o'clock. It's also very nice. Don't really get too many of them these days, but a big opportunity for Villa to really, really build up some momentum now, going into that sort of big run. Yeah, it's a huge game, really, and it's a game we've, we've, got, to, we've got to win, really. So it's a game we have to win. If we're going to have aspirations now to end the season in the top four, I think it's a game we really, really need to win. Um, and yeah, we'll be, we'll be full of confidence now. We've... Obviously, we've 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 got Torres back and settled back into the side, and um, yeah, the outlook looks a little bit different, doesn't it? And I think you're right. Let's hit them early, get an early goal, and uh, Villa, I think Villa are difficult to play against when when they score first, and um, yeah, get mm. an early goal, and Villa Park sort of transforms into like a a cauldron of sort of noise, doesn't it? Usually, if we get that first goal, and um, yeah, it's a totally different place when we score first, Villa Park. So yeah, hopefully we can start quick on Saturday, but yeah, a really really big game, and. Um, yeah, I'm sure Forest will test us. They've got some good players, like a one year up front and yeah. Gibbs White. I think they've got some I think they've got some decent players and we don't want to go into it thinking this is a you know, a, a definite win. You know, you look at what happened earlier on in the season away at Forest that day. So yeah. um a tough game, but as I always say that about every game, every game's a tough game. Forest at Villa Park, if we're looking to Looking to cement our places in that top four, top five, we need to be uh, we need to be winning the game. Yeah, we weren't good at the City Ground, were we? It was a really disappointing day that was. So it'd be nice to to put things right at Villa Park. I think this weekend is sort of a real sort of a point to be like, look, things can change so quickly in the Premier League. It's so tight in that sort of mini league with us, Tottenham and Man United, just outside of the top three. But we're only sort of four points off Man City now because they do like it can change so fast. So. When Villa do lose, or obviously it was the same against Man United, like it feels like it's the end of the world. But I think it's just all about just being a little bit more level-headed, just keep the faith. And I think a lot of eyes are on that Tottenham game in a couple of weeks. But I think you've just got to keep ticking along with individual games. Forest game, it's massive. And Luton, that Tottenham game's not really going to mean anything if you sort of throw away these two ones before that. And then you've got the Conference League as well. A lot of people are sort of worried about that, but I think it's a good opportunity. Emery loves games, constant games. 
thinking about games in three days' time over and over again. We really like that. It's it's the chance to build up momentum. I think we've had that spell now, haven't we? We've had that spell where we've had that that sticky times where we're playing slowly and we're not looking as fluid as we are in the last couple of games. So hopefully we're out of that now and we can get a run going like we did last season. We know we can do it. Yeah, and I think last I think you touched on last weekend being you know felt like a real setback, but I think it felt. I think it felt even worse. I think it was, you know, it was it was built up to be even worse because of other facts as well. Though, like we'd we'd obviously lost Conza in the run up to it. Torres still wasn't starting. We then lost uh, Kamara during the game, and everyone thought this is a pretty bad injury, and that we'd lost and we didn't deserve to lose. So, and then obviously we had the Kamara news on the Monday, and everyone was kind of expecting similar news for Conza, which doesn't sound like it is. It sounds like it's a lot yeah. more positive for Ezri Conza, which is good. The thing is, you're going to get setbacks. You are going to get setbacks. You're not going to win every single game. It's uh, it's possible yeah. to do that you're not going to do it i think i said to you i said the three games are really important for villa because you know you want that spurs going to be a really big game you don't want it to become sort of it doesn't matter because villa actually villa have failed in these three games so it doesn't really matter what we're doing in spurs you don't want it to be that you want it to be a real sort of big game at villa park in spurs yeah. and 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 hopefully we've, we've you know we've, we've got off to a good start now in terms of these three games I think this weekend's really important for another reason as well because Spurs aren't in action this weekend because obviously they've they were due to be playing Chelsea but um due to the Carabao Cup final obviously they're um they they obviously they obviously aren't and so this weekend's big you know because if Villa win and obviously Spurs like we don't have to worry about Spurs at all this weekend if Villa win Obviously, we move what five points clear of Spurs, and I know- let's go and put the pressure on them. Then the pressure's on them. Then come and catch us. Exactly, and I know everyone will say we have Spurs have got that game in hand. Yeah, they have, but we'll have the points on the board if we, if, if we can get the win. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd rather have the points on the board to be honest with you. And so big weekend for Villa this weekend, and um, yeah, it could. Um, and 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 I think what you just said there about the Conference League and juggling that. I think this stage of the season, momentum is the name of the game, um, and I think consistency and momentum. Uh, momentum pulls you through a lot of the time. I mean, look at us at the end of last season when none of us expected us to get into Europe. Um, and it was pure yeah. momentum in the end that got us there. Pure momentum. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, and I can kind of, I kind of feel like I've got the same sort of vibes as last season, as the end of last season when at the moment. Um, I'm hoping that sort of remains with us and we do go on, go on another kind of run until the end of the season because. And I think we can do it. I think if I think if we if we perform to how we know we can perform and provide that consistency with how we've been doing it all year, I think Villa will get Champions League and have a really really positive end of the season. So yeah, I'm um yeah I'm I'm, I'm buzzing again. I'm really really looking forward to the next game. I I'm in that sort of mood when I can't wait for the next game all the time. So yeah, bring on Saturday. Yeah, that's a good sign when that happens. And then throw in the sort of ingredients of Ezri Conza coming back, Diego Carlos giving you a bit more squad depth, Luca Dean getting a few more minutes under his belt as well. It is encouraging and you do have these options. One more major injury might might cause serious issues to, to one of your main men like a Martinez or Watkins with Touchwood. That doesn't happen. You're getting these players back now when the games do start to ramp up. So it's exciting times, mate. I think it's time to, to definitely be positive. Stick with the Villa because last few weeks it's there's definitely good signs there and like you said, momentum is the name of the game. So hopefully we can get a bit of that um, going into this really, really exciting part of the season. Any final words for us? No, just again, I think we said this for a long time but just enjoy the ride enjoy the ride remember where Villa were not too long ago look at where we are now it's incredible like we're going to go heading into the end of February and we're talking about Villa are in the top four of the Premier League heading you know going fighting for a Champions League position and and still in the final 16 of, of Europe with the draw to be made on Friday I mean times that forget about what's going on off the pitch allegations forget about that for now forget about the worry about FFP and the finances we know we've got 
something brewing there which we might need to have a look at in the summer and sort out and it will be sorted out i don't i don't think people need to get overly worried about it this is what people this is what teams do teams play a trade these days this is how teams make money and that's what will happen and um you know we've got to be realistic about that but forget all about that because it doesn't matter right now does it we're in the end of february We've got 13 games of the Premier League season to go to try and finish in those Champions League spots. So let's give it all we've got and just get behind the team because they'll need us between now and the end of the season. So, yeah, absolutely buzzing for it. Um, bring it on, I say. Yeah, we can do this. We can get Champions League. I'm excited for the draw on Friday as well. Next time we speak to you, uh, we'll know where we'll be going in Europe. So that's exciting as well. Please do subscribe to Villa on Sort on YouTube as well. Plenty of good content coming up over there. Hopefully, obviously, like I said, Europe around the corner. Can't wait to make content over the continent again. Looking forward to that. Please do subscribe to the podcast as well, wherever you do get your podcast from, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Please do subscribe so you never miss an episode. Leave a review as well. That is always massively appreciated. Some really nice ones over there. So please. Please do keep them coming. We shall see you next week of the Villa. Yeah.